Friends, people, this is Douglas Day with another episode of Booksmart. Today's lineup will be the usual some poetry from Mr. Nigel Lewis Stevenson, then a song chosen by my musical curator, Mr. Mortimer Page, then a reading from the novel In Progress, Hard Water, Part 3, It's Got to Be Sacred, read by the author. Mr. Christopher Ross. I believe we're up to chapter 28 today. Yes, Nigel? You have a call, sir. Line three, sir. Douglas Day. Uh, the man with the hat. Yes. The man with the hat. Yes, it's true. I wore a hat. Yes, Nigel. Line one, sir. Douglas Day. You need anything from down the shop? Yes. How about a strawberry milk? All right. This is a poem by Nigel, part of his Oxford series, Preliminary Journey, Part 4. Unhand me, you noble savages, I screamed. The young girl looked at me with vacant eyes. She grunted. I understood. I asked of her several questions, which she therewith gave answer. One, what is your age? Twenty-two. Two, where is my left arm? Three, do you prefer brown or white sugar in your tea? She came to me. She held me. She filled my ear, my one ear, with mellifluous wisdom. Do not worry, gentle bear, she whispered. They will not kill you. Yet. I dreamt, I slept, I awoke to find she and I on an altar collecting money. We both had turtle shells on our heads and she had attached to her rear the healthy tail of a fox red. My tail, as far as I could tell, was that of either an Irish or Russian wolfhound. She read to me stories of her oral history passed down for generations and eons. She told me to sleep. I slept. Somewhere in the darkness I heard her gently yowing and meowing. Pilgrim, you live too much in the world of illusion. I continued to dream. Preliminary Journey, Part 5 The Assistant Right. This is how it is. You've botched the experiment. You're missing an ear. Your fingers are stretched beyond repair and your left forearm's taken leave of you. We have convened. We have fructified. I have been elected pro tempore to man the rudder. These people understand me and I understand them. Schismo, please take the professor down to the falls and give him a good dunking. Take the child with you and have her ablute him. There is no sense in separating those who are in love. After, bring him up to the mango tree and to the best of your ability, reattach his arm. His ear's gone missing, but sure to turn up soon, one of the elders hinted. It has been making its rounds from Hogan to Hogan. <laughs> This is the day when I closed the door When I found what I've been searching for 
This is the time when I learned that mistakes are worth every risk we take. And they say you're wrong, well, perhaps, but they really don't know. And they say, step away before it's too late. Our mistakes make us grow some. Mistakes makes us grow some more. I pray to God I wouldn't bite my words. I don't know if I could handle the dirt. So I keep being a machine. That way I'll never have. Oslo with that incredible song, Machine. This is Mortimer Page. Thank you, Mortimer. 
Mr. Ross, how are you today? I'm good, Douglas. How are you doing? Tip-tap-ba. Mr. Ross, what did you think of Nigel's poetry? I liked it. I, I always like Nigel's poetry. Um, he continues to have me intrigued by this village um, situation that this guy's in who is missing an arm, apparently, and an ear. Um, and I wonder how many assistants he's going to go through and if he's going to survive the falls. Hmm. It's a good question. Now let's get back to hard water. Chapter 28, anything we need to know? Well, this chapter, he does meet a another character. It's a brand new chapter, so uh, I hope you like it. Before I forget, this broadcast is brought to you by The 12 Steps to Natural Gardening by Mr. Al Crowder, K-R-A-U-T-T-E-R. The chemical companies, people, bamboozled the land-grant colleges in the 50s, telling them that fertilizer should include potash and other excess chemicals they had left over from the munitions factories. These fertilizers, though appearing to bump up the productivity of particular plants, were also doing the double duty of destroying the soil. So therefore, the soil, the soil's immune system was too weak to repel weeds. And what do you think the chemical, excuse me, what do you think the chemical companies liked about that? Well, they could produce the fertilizer that would be main-veined into the plant by passing the soil, not feeding the soil, and this would allow for weeds to crop up, and that would allow the chemical companies to develop more pesticides to eradicate and to kill the weeds. Well, the pesticides also are killing the soil. It's a vicious circle. The best thing we can do is to amend our soils with organic matter. Throw out your chemicals. Thank you, Mr. Ross. Sure, Douglas. So, last week you said maybe two more chapters. This is chapter 28, 29, and 30, and and that will be the end? It's about looking close to that. Um, Chapter 29, I did start a little bit, and chapter 30 is already done. There's a possibility he will meet some other characters, though, along the way that have not been written down yet. Right, Mr. Ross. Well, whenever you're ready, yam on. Hard Water, Part 3, It's Got to be Sacred, Chapter 28. You may not believe it, but a wholly unexpected interposition of Providence has me stumble upon an old dugout canoe hid in the lip of the woods abutting the river. The question is, how strong is the current, and can I make it to the island halfway across with only one paddle in the water? And where is the Indian who owns this canoe? I don't know. You tell me. As I continue to analyze the situation, an old Shawnee approaches me silently from behind. Hatito, says he. Pause. Hatito, say I. Nehiwi kita silawi. Uh, I was just looking at your canoe. I, I need to get across the river to get back home. And do you think the Ohio will let you cross it? I don't know. Not on my own. I know that much. You are correct. Even Chief Matty Wampus would not make it across on his lonesome this day. Two of us can make it, but that will cost you many bushels of stone fruit, my friend. 
Well, once I get back to Ridgeo, my farm, I can bring some peaches back to you. Dare I eat a peach, delectable, delightful, ever kind and frightful, the fuzz on the skin not so unakin to a horse's nose? I've often thought the same, Mattywampus. I will surely pay you for the use of this canoe, but I'm flat empty as of now. It is no matter, pilgrim. Some day you will repay, I am sure. I will do my best, sir. The island that sits in the middle of the water is your only way home, so I will take you there. Whiskers on the face of the earth are what I call trees. Whence you spy a sycamore, think of me. I'll do that, Mattywampus. If a thousand crows take to the sky, do not wonder why. Gotcha. Seek the light. Always. For it is the light seekers who shall unpin the cross of lead hanging from your head. I believe it. They don't care if you are dead. The great chief chants... Die um pum pum 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 I am singing you to safety, my friend. I am singing prayers of strength to take us across the Ohio, and when we arrive on the island, I will give you some medicine to clean out your soul. And with that, Matty Wampus hands me a paddle and we nose the dugout canoe into the roiling Ohio. The current is too strong to make any headway, so we stalk the very lip of the river, jockeying from pool to pool of easy water until finally we find ourselves slightly north of the island's crown. We veer the vessel into the current of the southbound Ohio, our azimuth down the dead center of the river. The island of singing trees awaits patiently our arrival. A small lip of beach unguarded by overhanging branches and rocks greets the nose of the dugout canoe. I lay my paddle down in the guts and leap out and on to the welcome redoubt of beach. A fine March sleet begins to spray the water. Matty Wampus digs once more his paddle in, jettisons the craft, hops up and out, his left hand with paddle. As his right hand claws the keel of the canoe and hauls it thuswise on to the spit of land, I follow him into the woods. A fire blazes brightly in the entrance to his wegawa, welcoming us home. Matty Wampus pulls back the deerskin flap and speaks in low tones to his grandmother. Then he flings the flap back further and motions me inside the hushed hut. He directs me to sit close to the fire. Behind me I can feel the eyes of his ancient grandmother appraising my presence. As Matty Wampus takes to roasting beets, carrots, parsnips, and onions, his grandmother asks him something in Shawnee. She wants to know why you are here. I am trying to get back to my family. Yes, she says. Are now we all? I reckon so, but why is it not so easy? That's a good question. Let's smoke on it. He pulls from his belt a hollow-handled tomahawk that also serves as a smoking pipe. The bowl rests on the other side of the blade. He fills it, lights it, with a burning hickory stick puffs a few times, then passes the pipe to his grandmother, who inhales prodigiously before tapping the pipe lightly on my shoulder, just below my ear. Then he asks, Do you feel strong in spirit? Are you being who you are? I think so. Good. Matty Wampus reaches into his sacred bundle and extracts a palmful of dried mushrooms. Then take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me, but beware, the medicine may make you ill. Up, Chuck, if you have to. Just let it go. I see. 
but do not conceal your upchuck. Okay. We have a special protocol for upchucks. I see. The medicine will upchuck the evil spirits buried inside of you. I see. So if you are to conceal those upchucks, the evil spirits would run free and poison the universe. I see. I will now dispense the medicine. Matty Wampus eats heartily of the medicine and then passes the plate to his grandmother, who takes, eats, and then passes what remains to me. I eat modestly of the bitter vegetation. Matty Wampus and his grandmother begin a series of chanting prayers, punctuated by the bold beats emanating from the sunken depths of the water drum. Many hours go by, and I find myself in an elysium of dreaming, bending forward, gently touching my forehead to the smooth earthen floor before the fire, and using my hands as if they were plow blades divvying up the dirt that lay directly in front of me, as if my life depended on it. Matty Wampus manipulates the red-hot coals with a long length of hickory, and suddenly I see in the midst of the orange conflagration the appearance of a turtle, then a toad, then a panther, take shape among the fiery flames. Do you want to know what we are singing, young pilgrim? Yes. Our mistakes help us grow some more. The hiss-hiss of sleet sprays the top of the wegawa and bounces back onto the soft forest floor. We three sit back on our haunches, gathering in the fire's flames and generous calorifics. Matty Wampus passes the peace pipe my way and asks... What was the question again? Is everything connected? Where there is love and where there is compassion, there is connection. So we must all love all forms of life, from the mountains to the seas. That's as basic as I can get, says Matty Wampus. Can you give me a little bit more? Let go of greed, need, take, buy, sell, borrow, nor be, if, and it's a big if, you want to be free. Here's the thing, you got to have that zing that ain't afraid to sting. If the going gets tough, the tough get going. But in the meantime, if you're not loving the planet, then you're not loving yourself, others, the world, the works. Whoever said air was free, who said the wind, the fire, and ice are a guarantee, as if these elements were unbound to any laws of physics, sight, and sound. You think that saw wet owl stationed up there on that pine limb cares what we three are up to right now? You're darn right it does. Is the sound of death, my friend, and the owl sees in darkness, but listen to him speak. When I'm out to find mice, voles, moles, fish, birds of all stripes, I hit in darkness. Rabbits, snakes, toads, roads running lightly, flying slightly through the sky. Don't even stop to wonder why. Talons out and wings are beating, sharing in the promise of what's to be eaten. Detaching from time, place, and circumstance and entering the magic garden, whose path leads to the lip of a giant hexagonal pattern of slightly buried stones. Their faces even with the turf, the earth pulling to its center a circular fountain spewing water from a Grecian urn, spilling inexorably down into the bracing cold gravity-fed pool, which takes your breath away until you pull yourself up out of the water. 
and some kind soul approaches holding a thick towel aloft to wrap around your shoulders. Another kind soul delivers you a hot mug of tea. Wait, now is this still the owl talking? Yes, that was the miawe. But now this is me again. Let's eat. We must gain strength before our journey. And we three dig into the crisp outer edges of the roasted carrots, parsnips, and beets. Mattywampus collects some sleet and melts it down and sprinkles pinches of unknown powdery substances from several small leather satchels onto the mashed onion in the depths of a hand-carved bowl and creates a dip that rivals the savory tang of French onion. And we dip our blackened carrots, parsnips, and beets into the savory tang and continue staring into the fire forever until he speaks. Things slow down on purpose, you know. Let go of time and think hard about that place that is sacred to you. Feed your sacred space with attention and intention. Slow down and feel the weight of major tragedy go sailing by the wayside. In fact, I agree with your woman in chapter 23 that good health, both physical and mental, connects to the breath in and out in times of tongue-tiedness, times of trouble, times of pain. Sit, breathe, close your eyes, and breathe. Let go of your bones and just breathe. Feel your muscles fall off the bone. Your hips relax, your shoulders relax, your neck, face, and cheeks relax. Take the time to make the time to scan your body from head to toe or toe to head. It's your choice completely. But let's start with the toes. Picture your toes. And Matty Wampus went on like that until my whole body was a plate of mush, a fistful of milkweed blown to the far reaches of heaven. Seemingly, suddenly, time meant nothing and I was flying about the fire-lit space, mentally denoting the differences between what we call jelly and what we call jam. Mattywampus continued, There is no time but now and now and now you've got to let go and allow for the current to take you further than you may have first wanted to go. And yes, there will be rapids and bumps and crashes, but you'll come out of it no worse for wear, still alive, still viable, still willing and able and ready to do good. Then the great chief raked his fire stick into the orange and glowing coals, and I saw a series of animal shapes appear and disappear. I saw a camel. I saw a tortoise, I saw a turkey vulture, I saw a dog. By the power vested in me, he continued, I christen this pilgrim as the man who shakes and quakes. May he be an instrument of peace and forbearance, humility and love. Bless him with the everlasting power of transubstantiation. 
the ability to travel into the bodies of other inert or living things, including rocks, sticks, turtles, gerbils, squirrels, and trees. All the time able to see beyond the beyond to the beating heart of the big picture. 1976 and down to Sal's for two plain slices and a grape soda. The doors of perception forever laced by the zeal to feel what's right and what's real. Forgiving a hundred times over. Willing to explore the mansion of many apartments and be okay with the skin I'm living in. Hey there, Jitterbug, how you doing today? Asks Joe. Pretty good, Joe, how about you? Still breathing, Jitterbug, and that counts for something. I'm remembering, Mattywampus. I'm remembering. Why? Because it haunts me. What? All of it. Pause. We could spend the rest of our days defining the it. It is what it is and it is what it isn't. Do not live so much in the world of time, my friend. The now is now, 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 happening for you. To do with what you will sometime in the future. But you do not know what will happen, even if you study all of the night. Indeed, some sing, whatever happens will happen anyway. So stop measuring your life in terms of time. It is far more rational to think of things in terms of space. Witness the kingfisher trace an azimuth back to its brood, its beak filled with minnows speared on the thin surface of the sacred Ohio. Sacred words and sacred mysteries are stored in sacred spaces, sacred spaces in all of our faces, traces of laces unsung from our skins. Sing. Appear in front of the proper people who can help you get things done. You are not alone, young pilgrim. There are others stationed throughout the universe who can help you to succeed. Pause. At the stroke of four, Matty Wampus leaves the Wegawa and blows his eagle bone whistle in the four directions in order to call the good spirits in. Several silent minutes later, his head appears inside and he gestures for us to join him. We three suck up the cold night air and silently stare up at the glimmering stars. Some say the universe couldn't care less about you. Some say there is no connection to me made. That life's sacred mission is to torture and destroy. Suddenly, the sacred grandmother sang out excitedly. She says the stars are talking to one another. She says they are grinning in their glee. What are they happy about? I ask. She says they are happy because they are together and they are free. 
She says our sacred starlight shines from the center of our chests. She says one must be willing to offer one's heart as if it were a sacrificial rabbit or lamb held up to the great spirit as a gift of undying devotion. She says only when we offer can we receive. She says, and when we receive, we are bound to perform our sacred duties. Such as? Such as taking care of the earth, the water, and the sky. Such as showing love and compassion to every living thing. At sunrise, the trip abruptly ends and I start from a waking dream to the sight of grandmother placing strips of raw venison, fried corn cakes, and cinnamon donuts on the ground in front of me. No words can describe how delectably the elixir of elderberry tea satisfied my raw thirst for something hot, wet, and sweet. After our sunrise repast, I follow him into the sweltering darkness of a sweat lodge where large river rocks that have been roasting in coals all night radiate a fulsome heat that pulls out our perspiration. Matty Wampus passes me another plate of the medicine and I eat sparingly of it. As I turn slightly to put the plate down, I spy the gleaming eyes of Grandmother floating in the darkness behind me. We sit silently sweating for several hours, and I confess I may have fallen half asleep. A piercing tune from his eagle bone whistle brings me to attention. We exit the sweat lodge, and Matty Wampus and I dunk naked into the roiling lip of the Ohio. The southbound current tugging our torsos as we hold on to river rocks below us and dangle our feet back behind us like lightly lilting weeds. Upon my final embarkation from this island airy, holy grandmother bathes me in words I do not follow. Translation, the peach pit is your unsama, your power object. In times of trouble, turn to it and it will release you. And then, she says, may the force of the four winds blow always in your favor. I thank you, ma'am. No need. Godspeed. And the old woman bows and passes the pulse to Matty Wampus, and he bows and passes the pulse to me, and I bow, and pass the pulse to you. And we all let our guards down, and we all put our guns down, and we all stand up and praise the Holy Spirit, maker of all things, blessed to walk in the light of his or her creation, bowing down as witness to his or her station that inspires us to sanctify the spirit of the trees, please.
be lost in the soundscape of that band named Luna, L-U-N-A from L-A. That song takes me to the steppes of Russia, to the deserts of New Mexico, and back around and around again. I'd like to make a special thank you for our musical guest today, Miss Emily Fearing from Oslo, Norway, and the band Luna from L.A. This is Mortimer Page. Thank you, Mortimer. This has been another episode of Book Smart with Douglas Day. Peace. Right. Thanks, gents. Pints at the Brindu on me. Right. <laughs>